some of the surprises of Christmas. And this morning we want to finish that up uh, with the people who missed Christmas. Now, uh, we've uh, perhaps uh, you've heard uh, people say, well, we don't celebrate Christmas because it was a pagan uh, festival and so forth. And maybe you've heard different things, read different things. I, every year it seems like someone has an article or something like that uh, to read. And, and yet uh, uh, there are th- many things that uh, I'm sure that we, uh, we find uh, have some origins in other things. I mean, uh, we still have Sunday school, even though they didn't have Sunday school in the Bible, uh, because of the principle of, of what it means to learn the Word of God and, and many things like that. But uh, uh, so we, uh, we enjoy uh, celebrating Christmas, and we certainly don't want to uh, be like the world in its celebrations and so forth, which are ungodly and unbiblical. But uh, we want to recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ did have a day of his birth, uh, and the earth, whether it was on December the 25th or not, and there's controversy about that. Uh, but uh, we do know that there is a day, and day, December 25th has been designated that way. Uh, some people say, well, some of these festivals and things came from pagan uh, celebrations, and there were Christians who didn't want to participate in the pagan things, so they celebrated Christ's birth instead. And I think that's a good way to look at it as well. But uh, as we think about missing Christmas, uh, I think uh, that we want to uh, look at it in this way and think about the question, well, have, have you ever missed something? <laughs> uh, you're supposed to uh, maybe uh, be somewhere. Uh, you were supposed to do something. Uh, maybe you had an appointment. Uh, and uh, it just kind of slipped your mind, and you just didn't show up. And uh, so you were a no-show. And uh, maybe there was uh, something that, uh, a ball game or something, you were supposed to go watch your grandchildren or something, and uh, you got to do something else. This has happened to us uh, uh, many of times. Uh, uh, programs, school programs are put on the uh, stream, live streaming of the our grandchildren's school and uh, our daughter will send us a link and say it's at seven o'clock on this evening and we'll have our supper and we'll sit there and we'll do some you know and all at once we realize hey we didn't watch that did we (laughs) thankfully they archive it and we can go back and watch it later (laughs) but uh, you know there are things that we miss sometimes because of uh, one reason or another Um, maybe uh You've missed some things. I think that we have a number of reasons, uh, or maybe we could call them excuses. How many of you ever miss a meeting or you got sidetracked or you just totally forgot? Maybe you, uh, you missed a, uh, a, 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 an airplane or you missed a, an important date, a birthday or an anniversary. Uh, maybe uh, you forgot to do a term paper, young people. Uh, and you get reminded of that real quick, don't you? Uh, but how many of you ever missed uh, a something, uh, a school function? I think we can find that there are many reasons why uh, and excuses that we, we come up. In many cases, it, cre- it does create a strain on our relationship with other people uh, in our lives. Uh, uh, and uh, we, uh, uh, if we're they're counting on us to be there, and we forget it often messes us 
uh, them up uh, in their plans, especially if you're supposed to bring the presentation or perhaps worse, if you were supposed to bring the food, uh, uh, something missed sometimes creates a strain on your relationships. If you've ever missed a, an anniversary, by the way, I did not miss our anniversary today. Today is our anniversary, 45 years, and uh, I said happy anniversary to my wife this morning. And uh, we've been actually celebrating all month. We say we go out to eat and say, well, happy anniversary. Uh, we buy a car to replace the one that we uh, crashed into a deer with. And so we say happy anniversary, happy birthday, happy uh, whatever um, for the rest of the uh, for 10 years or so, whatever. But um, uh, you don't want to miss those things, right? Uh, young people, especially uh, young married people, don't want to miss those anniversaries. Uh, right uh, back there. And uh, so um, there are things that uh, constrain our relationship. Uh, there are other uh, prices that we pay. Sometimes uh, you don't benefit the thing uh, like uh, you should have uh, from a meeting. Maybe it contains some information that you needed to know. Uh, you try to scurry around and get up to speed and maybe you're waiting for the sky to fall because you've missed some information. Uh, you're not having it to, uh, going to uh, to, in order to catch up uh, with everyone else, uh, many times there are events that can't be replaced. You know, if you uh, miss a birthday, well, the birthday party's over. You can't go back and archive that. Uh, the game has already been played. You could probably go li- watch it, someone's video of it, but that's just not quite the same. Uh, so there are all kinds of excuses. Maybe there are some legitimate uh, reasons. I remember... A few years ago, I went to uh, another town to hear a special speaker. And uh, for some reason, my wife didn't go along with me that particular time, and I don't remember why. But uh, anyway, I was going to hear this special speaker. I'd heard about him. And uh, my family will tell you that I'm a stickler for being on time whenever we go somewhere. Uh, and I don't like to arrive when uh, something like that's supposed to start. Uh, for me, being on time is being early, Okay. Uh, if the service starts at uh, 11 o'clock and I come at 11 o'clock, I'm late. All right. Uh, so uh, when I went to this particular meeting, I was going to be early because I hadn't ever been to the church uh, where it was. And so I thought, you know, I'll go early. I got the address. I thought I got some good directions and I proceeded to go to the meeting. And when I got there and I thought the, something doesn't look right here, this doesn't even look like a church. Uh, it's in a residential area. Maybe I got the wrong address. What's, what's going on here? And, uh, of course, uh, there was no one there because I was early. Uh, and I waited for a while and still didn't have a good feeling about it, so I left. Well, the point is I missed that meeting that night because I was early. And I uh, was unsure of where the meeting might take place. I found out later that was the right place. And I went to hear the speaker the next evening. I'm thankful that he was still there the next evening because that was a life-changing meeting for me. I can probably say that meeting began a series of events in my life uh, that led me to the place where I am today. Now, what if I'd missed the second meeting too? Well, we come up with these excuses or these reasons. I just got busy or it slipped my mind. I I was preoccupied with something else. I wrote the time down wrong or the way some people might say it is I just spaced out on it. Um, I don't know if that's being used today. It used to be used back in the olden days when I was 
uh, a kid. You might say, Pastor, why are you asking or why are you talking so much about missing something? Well, here's why. What if you were a person that missed Christmas? I don't mean miss the day. Uh, That would practically be impossible in the culture in which we live today. But if you miss the purpose of the day, what if they just plain missed it? What Do you think uh, that that might have occurred this week? You know, the, by the way, Christmas was on Friday, wasn't it? Or did I miss it? No, uh, it was on Friday. What if somebody missed the purpose of Christmas this week? You think that happened? I think so. I think it probably happened all over this world today or, or this week. Do you think that could occur in your life or mine? Do you think any one of us would miss Christmas? Well, let me ask you, did it occur occur to the people in the Bible? Now, they didn't call it Christmas then, but we could say it was the first Christmas. Uh, Did some people in the Bible miss that event? They certainly did. It may be surprising to you to find out who, and it may be surprising to find out why. And I'd like to submit to you this morning that there are some very important lessons for you and me in studying the Christmas surprise of men and women who simply missed Christmas. And so with that in mind, if we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're looking at the surprises of Christmas. And what I'm suggesting is that if you and I were going to sit down and design how the Son of God was going to come into this world as the Messiah, as the sinless Savior, and the perfect Lamb of God, I would suggest that we would have done it a lot differently, wouldn't we? That's why Isaiah, and we use this in Sunday school, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we could illustrate the truth of that verse all day long today, but especially apparent in studying the events surrounding the birth of Christ. There are a lot of Christmas surprises, and in some cases, they may be even shocking surprises to us. I believe God designed it that way to teach us some things about him and to teach us some things about ourselves. And so we're going to look at a couple of things very simply this morning, how men and women missed the first Christmas, and we'll look at several biblical examples, then we'll talk about how you and I could miss Christmas. Now here's what I want to ask you in this first half of the message as we look at these various stories. I want to go beyond the Dan Rathernot, the Tom Brokejaw, the Katie Curious approach, or the George Stuff All of Us, or the Wolf Blitzer way of doing things. I want to ask some questions like, why did this happen? And what are the lessons or implications for our everyday lives? Or how might it affect our lives, and how do we maybe perhaps need to change. I'm going to be purposely holding some of that off until the second half, but please be thinking about that down those lines as we look at these stories. How men and women miss the first question, or the first Christmas. And I'd like to begin by just reading a portion of Luke chapter 2. Many of us have perhaps read this a number of times, heard it read already this Christmas season. So if you've heard this read or you've read it, you certainly uh, should be thinking about Christmas and be hard to miss it. But it says in verse 1, 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was made when Cyrenius, the governor of Syria, and all to be ta- went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I think about the first person that probably missed Christmas was the innkeeper. You say, what innkeeper? It doesn't say anything about an innkeeper here. Well, that's one of those things people like to debate about, right? We're just kind of assuming there was an innkeeper. There was someone who was uh, keeping, uh, uh, re- was responsible for places to stay. Uh, we don't know how large this inn was, uh, we don't know if it was a Holiday Inn Express or if it was a Motel 6. Uh, we don't know those kind of things. What kind of inn was it? Well, the Greek word is kataluma, which uh, can mean anything from a full-fledged bed and breakfast type arrangement to a guest room in someone's home or a lean-to on someone's property where people and animals would stay. In fact, if there was an innkeeper, the innkeeper himself is never specific mentioned in the Bible. So, should we not even recognize that there is an innkeeper? Well, perhaps we should and perhaps we shouldn't, but uh, there's a lot we just don't know. But what we do know for sure is that this city was unusually busy. And because of the details of these verses that we just read, it gives us, uh, talks about the taxation, how everybody needed to go back to the city of their ancestry and register and be taxed. And so we know the city was unusually busy. And we also know there was a young man and uh, his wife who came, who was about to have a baby, who came to the door of an inn, and they told, were told there there's no room for them. It says there was no room for them in the inn. Now, several students of Scripture point out how unusual this birth would have been. The people of this day uh, were not civilized people who sent women off by themselves to have babies on a, on a banana leaf. And at least, very least, there would have been a midwife of some sort or some friends or some family members who would have assisted in the birth. But as you read verse 7, what do you notice there? She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Again, we're not told about any other way that this could have happened. G. Campbell Morgan wrote about this event. Think of the pathos of it. She brought forth. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. It's very beautiful, but oh, the pity of it, the tragedy of it, the loneliness of it, that in the hour of all hours that... When womanhood should be surrounded by the tenderest care, she was alone. The method of the writer is very distinct. She, with her own hands, wrapped the baby round with those swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. There was no one to do it but her. Again, I say the pity of it, and yet the glory of it to the heart of Mary. You know, it's interesting when you read these words to ask, well, where's Joseph? 
this may be the first recorded place where it proves that the husbands aren't worth much during the birth process. And my wife can attest to that too. We had one of our daughters, the daughter we just moved to Florida. She was born on the hospital in the hospital on the grounds of Bob Jones University. It was called Barge Hospital. I don't think they have it anymore. But that's where she was born because I was a student at Bob Jones at the time. And they were playing this wonderful music over the intercom. It was operatic. This soprano was, you know. And I had the nerve to say, hey, that sounds like you. And she was in pain, you know. She's in the pain of childbirth. She didn't appreciate that very much. That's the way we are, aren't we, guys? But the point is, what we're making now, where was Joseph? Oh, what about the innkeeper? At least someone had to be there, right? At least someone had to look in on their condition. You know, someone said there's no room. And that same someone, at least from all we can surmise from the text, that same someone did nothing to help this mother in her distress. No call for help, no comfort given, simply a statement, there's no room. Now, what, the, what was the innkeeper's problem? Was it an issue of hostility? No, we don't have any indication of that. Was it that he had no sympathy? No, we don't have any indication of that either. All we know is that this was a time that was incredibly busy, unusually busy. Oh, does that sound familiar? Do we ever get that way? Incredibly busy, unusually busy. And the innkeeper, if there was an innkeeper, missed the first Christmas. Let's look at another example. We go back to Matthew chapter 2. And here we have a second person who fits this heading of whom we know, uh, whom we know a lot more about whose reason for missing Christmas uh, is a whole lot worse. We're talking about Herod. In, he, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, uh, beginning in, in verse uh, 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the Her- days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, of course, this took place uh, some time after uh, Christ was born, but it's often uh, tied in with the Christmas story. The innkeeper missed Christmas because he was busy. Herod missed Christmas because he was afraid. It says, saying, where is he that is the born of the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. He was afraid. He was troubled. You see, Herod already had a king, didn't he? Who was Herod's king? He was. In fact, history tells us that Herod had already given himself the title king of the Jews. You can imagine his rage when these wise men show up and ask, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? Now, these verses, I think, can teach us some important principles. There's the irrationality of unbelief. When Herod called the chief priests and scribes together and found out that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, that is according to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, when he found that out, that where the Messiah was to be born, did he really think that he was going to thwart the plan and the program of God simply by calling for mass murder? 
If God was powerful to predict with perfect accuracy exactly where the son would be born 700 years before the fact, that's when the book of Micah was written. Don't you think God would be powerful enough to deal with whatever human plan Herod would come up with? It was irrational to do anything but place his faith and trust in the power of God who was able to make and then fulfill such a prophecy. But Herod missed Christmas. What about the cruelty of unbelief? Listen, folks, there are some people who simply hate Jesus Christ because they hate God. They'll stop at nothing to stamp out all the evidence of biblical Christianity, and we're finding that happening uh, many times today, many places. You read about the persecution of Christians in various places around the world. I think we would be naive to fail to recognize that some people just simply hate God. They hate His Son, and they want to scrub our culture clean of any godly or religious influence. And here, no less, a person than Herod the king, a blood-minded man, revengeful, desperate, and resolute in whatsoever he undertakes, he's going to seek diligently, he's going to search, and he's going to inquire, not for his parents, Joseph and Mary, who might have been safe, but this young child who was born the king of the Jews. The birth of Jesus gave him a great deal of uneasiness. And his desire was not to worship him. He told the wise men, you know, you find him so I can worship him. That wasn't his desire. His desire was to destroy him. That's the cruelty of unbelief. And then there's the essence of unbelief. Herod was having too good of a time being his own king to let a little event like a birth of God's Messiah to get in the way. It was and is an issue of lordship, and because Herod stumbled over that issue, he missed Christmas. There's a third group this morning. It's the religious leaders and their followers. Now please tell me what is strange about the events recorded beginning in verse 4. What would you have expected to read? In verse 4 it says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, Of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. After the chief priests and scribes made this discovery, they were all went together to find the Messiah so they could worship him. In other words, they should have said to the wise men, or uh, we're coming with you. Why didn't they? What was stopping them from going with the wise men to worship the Messiah? You know what stopped them? Religion. Religion. They had their endless rituals of sacrifices and festivals and rules and regulations and traditions. They were worshiping the right God in the wrong way. They were so set in their religious practices and experiences that they apparently thought they didn't need the sinless Son of God. Folks, listen, one of the biggest hindrances to a person genuinely coming to Christ is religion. The appearance of self-righteousness, the appearance of being good enough to get to heaven apart from repentance and faith in the shed blood of our resurrected Lord. And I believe we as Christians and as as a local church have to make some strategic decisions about what to do and not to do in our community that would have, would be seen as a religious thing. 
You know, sometimes churches are expected to do things and involve themselves in things, especially around the holidays, and uh, that they're really just religious exercises and really have nothing to do with the real ministry and message of God that God has called us to. They seem to be good things on the surface, but they're really nothing more than cooperation with other religious groups in doing these so-called good things, and when examined for what they are, they many times compromise our doctrine and our position as a New Testament Bible-believing local church. might involve a community worship service. I haven't been asked to be involved in a community worship service in this city, but often in other places I have been asked to do that, or to have group Bible studies with other churches. How can you join together in prayer and worship with other religious groups when they don't even know if they're saved? And I submit that the salvation of many so-called religious and church people, even in our own community, is in question when we look at their doctrine of salvation. Amos 3.3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? I like to think of Spooner Baptist Church as more than just another religious group going about and doing good. Now, I think we must reach our community with the gospel. We must reach out to those who do not know Christ as their Savior, but to do this by cooperating with other groups that are not of like faith and practice, I believe, is religious exercise. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We represent Him in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in the places where we do business. Our testimony must be clear and it must be powerful. We know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We want others to know Him as well. Now notice that we're seeing in these religious leaders here another important thing to think about. Christmas activity in and of itself is not our primary message. Our church has never been commanded to remember to commemorate Jesus' birth, in fact. We have no commandment in God's word to uh, commemorate Jesus' birth. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I'm not against it. I'm not against Christmas. I'm not against remembering Christ's birth, but we're never told in scriptures to do that. We are told to commemorate his death. The early church probably didn't celebrate Christmas. Our central message is not the birth of a baby. Our central message is the death, burial, and resurrection of a Savior. And so we focus on Christ's birth and we proclaim the reason he came, and that was to die on Calvary's cross, that you and I might have our sin penalty paid for. Again, the point is, religion can keep a person from a relationship with Christ. And in the case of these religious leaders and those who follow them, I believe they missed Christmas. And if we stop at the birth of Christ and do not talk about the death of Christ, I believe we miss Christmas. So these are some ways men and women miss the first Christmas. Now, how could you and I miss Christmas today? Listen, do you think we have, uh, we who are in this service this morning face the same issues that we've identified in these verses? The same issue of busyness? 
The same issue of fear. The same issue of an empty religion. We certainly do. How do we, how could you and I miss Christmas today? Well, first of all, by not trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. What would keep a person in this country from accepting the free gift of salvation available in and through Jesus Christ? I mean, the message of Christmas is everywhere. How could you miss it? Well, for the exact same reasons we've already looked at. I wonder if there might be someone here today and you've been revved up in the busyness of Christmas. You've been scurrying around just like you do always at this time of the year, but you've never trusted Jesus Christ. Listen, if it can happen to the innkeeper on the first Christmas, you think it can happen some 2,000 years later? For someone else, it might be more complicated. You, say, you might say, Pastor, I, I know what's keeping me from Christmas. It's not the free gift part. It's not the forgiveness part. It's not the heaven part. It's the Lord part. Listen, if that's the case, I'm glad you're honest about it. And I hope you're glad for a church that would be honest with you. Someone has put it this way. You can't take half of Jesus. We don't believe in playing church. We don't believe in the brill cream approach. Now, some of you young people don't know what brill cream is. I realize that. I, you know, I always have to kind of explain some of my illustrations. Uh, you know, if life was fair, Jack would have hair, and he could use brill cream, you know. Brill cream was a hair tonic or uh, stuff, and it came in a tube. My dad used to use it. And one morning when I got ready to brush my teeth, I mistook the Brill Cream for toothpaste. And so I put it on my toothbrush and I started to brush my teeth and I was spitting for the rest of the day. And I guarantee you, a little dab will do you. Again, not too many of you know that either, but you know. Too many people today are saying, well, a little dab will do me as well. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of religion, that's all I need. I'll just take a little bit. I'll just take a little bit of Jesus. Again, as I've said before, if there was a time when people need to be in a good Bible-believing church and hearing God's Word, it's now. And I'm thankful that there are folks here who serve faithfully. It's because Jesus Christ is their Lord I'm thankful for people around here who are growing faithfully and people uh, here who are giving faithfully. But my point here is this morning, who don't, those of you that may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't miss it. Don't let busyness, don't let fear, don't let empty religion stop you from placing your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, the Christ of the Bible. How about you believers, those of you who have trusted Christ? Is it possible for you to miss Christmas this year by allowing our busyness to get out of hand? What is done by some folks in our culture in the name of Christmas is borderline ridiculous. Well, I think it's more than borderline. I think it's over the top. I don't know about you that we really decorated this year. Our tree is this tall. 
You know, there's some people like my daughter said we they went around and and their kids were awed by all the lights. And she showed a picture of one nicely decorated home. And then she had this other picture and she said, Christmas threw up. I mean, you know, you've seen those places. They've got everything in the yard. I mean, it's just packed full. Their electric bill has to be huge for the, you know, to light all that stuff. But, you know, that's kind of the way lives become, too. Running in every direction. And usually that direction is in the direction of spending money like there's no tomorrow. The innkeeper didn't have much on many of us, and we would ask, we would be wise to ask this question, am I setting myself up to miss Christmas as well? That may mean learning to say no to a few things. Uh, That may mean learning to be content. It may mean learning to be still. If God wanted to use this time of the year to help us grow our love for him, would there be any time, would there be any energy for left to do that? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. What a great memory verse for Christmas time. You and I might miss Christmas by not trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we might miss Christmas by allowing busyness to get out of hand, and we might miss it by wrestling with an area of lordship. You know, as a believer, we have difficulty in this area. We have an area of our life where God wants us to submit to him, but yet we hold back. And so Christmas can become a miserable time of the year. And I'm not suggesting that there are people who reach the extreme of Herod and their hatred of Christ, but sometimes I think that's the tendency. I already have a king in that area of my life, and that's going to hurt us. And finally, how can you and I miss Christmas? By simply going through the motions. Are you just going through the motions of being a Christian? Or are you here this morning because... Everybody just expects you to be here. Or are you here because of your deep abiding love for the Lord Jesus and your desire to hear from God? And what about your desire to be with God's people? I trust your relationship with God is not just a religion. A going through of some motions. Some religious activity to soothe your guilt to fulfill a requirement of some sort. Remember that we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. He's more than just a babe in a manger with shepherds and angels and wise men. Jesus came to this earth and was born to die. And he died for you and he died for me. He was born, he died, he was buried, and he rose again that you and I might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't miss Christmas this year. Don't let the busyness cause you to miss it. Don't let fear cause you to miss it. And don't let empty religion 
cause you to miss the real meaning of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our hearts and heads in prayer.